Welcome back, my friend, and welcome to episode 22 of this Bible study podcast series, reading through the Gospel of Luke. So glad you're here with me again today as we get into the second half of chapter 10. We've got verses 25 through 42, probably some familiar content, some familiar stories. So I'm excited to read this here together today. Let's begin in prayer. Come Holy Spirit, open up our hearts and minds to the truth of your word. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test him and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, the one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. As they continued their journey, he entered a village where a woman whose name was Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary, who sat beside the Lord at his feet, listening to him speak. Martha, burdened with much serving, came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. The Lord said to her in reply, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken away from her. The Gospel uh, this, is the, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks thanks be to God. Okay, so we begin uh, with a scholar asking Jesus a question. So, And probably most of what we just read is familiar content, but this scholar begins asking a question. He asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, this is the section kind of talking about the greatest commandment, and that in the versions in Matthew and Mark's gospel, the question is essentially to Jesus, like, what is the greatest commandment is the test. And then Jesus responds with the greatest commandment. But in Luke's version, it's the scholar asking Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus has the scholar list off what is written in the law. Kind of as a a side note for future reference that a scholar of the law is the same as uh, a scribe. So if we hear the scribes mentioned later, same same kind of person who we're talking about here. But what he references is two sections from Old Testament scriptures. The first is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, with your whole being, and with your whole strength. 
Then the second reference is from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, which says, Take no revenge and cherish no grudge against your own people. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the scholar's response is kind of a combination of those two scriptures, those two pieces of the Old Testament. Um, the first the first one makes a lot of sense to us. Um, that is a, that's a crucial piece of the Jewish scripture, uh, that that those two verses there are what they call the Shema, which is a prayer that they would say in the morning and in the evening, and the Israelite people would would recite that scripture all the time. It was central pillar uh, to the law of Moses. The second one, though, I, is in some ways confusing as to why precisely he would mention you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's like in the middle of Leviticus, not as directly important in the Jewish scriptures, but I think that. St. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, explains well why, why this is used. He says, The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be, are summed up by this saying, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That adding that on to that first part, you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, being soul, strength, mind, um, and then adding on, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself, those two things, essentially, that summarizes and covers basically the whole Ten Commandments, all of the law that Moses gave the people. Uh, and Jesus Jesus says to him, this is, a correct, this is a correct answer, do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. Love the Lord your God with your whole heart, whole being, strength, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus doesn't say do this plus a bunch of other like ritual practices. He doesn't mention the like ritual practices or customs or things that the Pharisees observed, but just love. To love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor. That love is the fulfillment of the law, which is exactly what St. Paul says right there in Romans 13 in the next verse, uh, verse 10. He says, love is the fulfillment of the law. Of the law. This is the greatest commandment, and again applies to you and me still. That what is the the commandment and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? To follow those commandments still by loving the Lord our God with our whole heart, mind, strength, soul, being, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That is the fulfillment of the law that we are called to. But um, the the scholar kind of it says in order to justify himself, he gives a, a question of like, well, okay, who who's my neighbor then? If I'm supposed to love my neighbor, who is my neighbor? Which I think is a fair question. Like, who do I who do I have to love? Um, which I think the implication probably here is he's asking along the lines of like, who do I have who do I have to love? Like, are there are there some I really don't have to love? Implying that there may be some that the scholar doesn't want to love. Which maybe maybe is a question that we ask the Lord every so often. Like. Is everyone my neighbor? Are you sure I gotta love everyone? So Jesus responds with a story. It's one of one of the most well-known parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan. He says, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. I think what's implied there is that the man's coming from Jerusalem. So he's a, a Jewish man who gets beaten by robbers and is left half dead. And three people pass him by. First, a priest, and the priest just passes right on by. A Levite, the Levite passes right on by. And those two, both of them, would be 
religious leaders, fellow pious Jews, definitely should be, would be considered neighbors to this Jewish man, should probably love the neighbor well, but they ignore the Jewish man, the, their neighbor laying on the street, and not simply ignored, but avoided him. It said they each passed by on the opposite side. That they not simply walked by ignoring him, but avoided, went out of their way to go to the other side of the road to avoid their neighbor who they ought to have helped. But then the third person is a Samaritan. The Samaritan stops to help we kind of mentioned this a few episodes ago about how Samaritans and the Jewish people have, have some beef because um, of like worship of gods and a whole bunch of history stuff. Uh, but they don't get along super well. They would definitely be the one that probably the scholar is considering like not my neighbor, someone who I don't get along with, though I have to love them. And the Samaritan to this Jewish man, they The Samaritan might consider this Jewish man his enemy, not his neighbor in some ways. But yet, the Samaritan helps uh, this this Jewish man, pours oil and wine on his wounds, carries the Jewish man on his own animal to an inn where he pays for his stay at the inn with silver coins and says, if you need to spend any more money than this, I'll pay it. He gives way more money than he needed to in the situation that the Samaritan gives this Jewish stranger, this person who would not necessarily be considered his neighbor, totally of himself. That the Samaritan loses money, loses resources, loses time and energy, etc. Uh, but yet it's, it's this total giving of self from the Samaritan to a foreigner, loving his enemy as if his neighbor. And Jesus, by telling this story, which I think we we probably know so well, we've probably been told a bunch of times, Jesus gives exactly the response a scholar was probably hoping not to hear. When he asks Jesus, well, then who is my neighbor? Jesus responds, even the one you may find to be your enemy, that too is your neighbor. That too is the one, he too is the one you have to love as you would love yourself. And he instructs us as well as this scholar to show mercy like this good Samaritan, to love our neighbors and to give of ourselves to, to all, that we are all united in Jesus Christ and we are all neighbors and we all ought to show mercy and love to even and especially so the people who we don't quite get along with is the example of the good Samaritan that we know well. So they continue along on the journey, and as they're traveling, they arrive at Mary and Martha's house. And this is, again, maybe a familiar story for us, but it's a great and totally, totally, uh, it's a, a parable for our day in some way. It's a story for our day right now in this world of uh, incredible activism and productivity that we live in. So it's a story of contrast between being and doing, in a way, that Mary, on the one hand, is sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him. It's the posture of a disciple, and I think in some ways the posture of prayer, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words. And Martha, on the other hand, says she's burdened with her serving. In other translations I've read, uh, Martha's distracted with her tasks, distracted to the extent that she couldn't listen to Jesus' words by doing all of her tasks that maybe were good things, but she's distracted. And Martha begins to 
whether it's envy or anger or whatever it may be, she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. He doesn't say that her work is bad. He doesn't say, Martha, stop like stop serving, you're doing it wrong, anything like that. Um, but what is bad is that the work that she's doing, the service that she's trying to, to give is preventing her from hearing his voice, from being present to Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, present in her midst. And Jesus says there is need of only one thing, and Mary has chosen the better part. Jesus doesn't mince words here. And I think that when we read this, I think often we kind of try to associate ourselves with like one or the other. And I think, I know I've read this before and I fully identified with Martha as someone who is uh, very like activistic and, and like really productivity focused and like likes working hard and feel like I need to produce something uh, and often identify with Martha and be like, well, wait, isn't my, aren't my good works fruitful? And I, and I bring forth a lot of good things, but Jesus doesn't mince words here. He says, there is need of only one thing. And Mary has chosen the better part. If that's hard words for you, I know it sometimes it's hard words for me, for us to slow down because the one thing we need is prayer. What Mary is doing is sitting at the feet of our Lord and listening to his words in prayer. That, that above anything else, that is our source, and that is the one thing that we need in our lives. And Jesus says it will not be taken away from her. That not only is it good, and that it's necessary, it's the one true thing that we need to spend time in prayer, but Jesus assures us that it will not be taken away, that we can rest in it. This is I think this is real assurance for me because we truly do live, I mean, live in a, a culture that where there's big pressure to be productive, big pressure pressure to always be working, always be producing something, always be affecting something. But Jesus tells us that what's really needed is to slow down and to pray, to spend time like Mary, that that is our source, that is our energy, that's truly what we're made for at our core. And I think that kind of the the message of this all is that, one, the active life is not bad in itself. Like work is certainly not bad. We could talk plenty about the dignity of work and and the, the goodness of it. That active life is not bad, but it must be rooted in contemplative life. We must pray. We must first come to sit at the Maker's feet, come to sit at our Lord's feet like Mary as the most necessary thing, the necessary thing for us to spend time in prayer because um, as what is a real great, maybe a corny phrase, but so true, is that we are human beings, not human doings. <laughs> that we are not made simply to do, 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 and go, 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 but to be. And in a world of, again, activism and productivity and such, this is in some ways super countercultural. But how can we slow down and make prayer priority and make prayer first in our lives? Because that's our source. That's where we are energized and that's where we come to find the truth about who we are when we come and be like Mary and sit at our Lord's feet and spend time in prayer. 
I am so glad that you've decided to listen to this podcast with me over the course of the past 22 days or so, because in, in some way, you're choosing to spend some time in your day to hear God's word in in the scriptures and hear the story of the gospel. Uh, and that that is certainly a good thing uh, that will not be taken away to hear God's word. And I encourage you and I, and I look to myself and say, where do I need to make prayer a priority? And may we, especially during the season of Lent as we prepare for Easter, make prayer a priority in our lives so we can come to hear uh, and make sure we are present to the words that Jesus has to give us. So glad you're here with me again today. Can't wait to do it again tomorrow. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen.